Hey, this is Corey Wong. If you are interested in guitar players, if you're interested in artists and how they think, why they create, what it is that motivates them to create, come check out my podcast, Wong Notes Podcast, where I get to interview some of my absolute heroes, people like John Mayer, Niall Rogers, Jacob Collier, Madison Cunningham, Benson, Vi, Santana, Satriani, Lukather, Matheny. Oh, the names are insane icons of the guitar, icons of artistry and creativity. I absolutely love sitting down with these musicians and getting to ask them about their creative process and get into the details of why they do what they do. Check it out, Wong Notes. Listen now, wherever you get podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Chasing Frets. My name is Jason Shadrick, and I'm here with Andy Ellis. Hello, everyone. And Andy, this was kind of your idea. We kind of snuck in at the last minute, and the idea was that there was kind of a time in their career where uh, the two sisters, Lark and Poe, who are our guests this week, decided to produce themselves. Yes, they had started as a band and a sister duo uh, in Nashville, being produced the normal way. And then they decided that they weren't happy with the sound of other people telling them, you know, what songs to play and who to have on the sessions. And they took the reins in their own hands and they describe how that happened and why. It's a, it's a real interesting kind of to see the kind of how the sausage is made, so to speak. Yeah. And, yeah. and they even dropped a nugget at the very end of this episode that, <laughs> that even Rebecca <laughs> said, oh, I should have probably led with this. So, uh, and that was that was some of the more interesting things we talked to them about all week. Yeah. So uh, enjoy our episode here with Larkin Poe, and we'll see you guys next week. Today's podcast is sponsored by Vega Trem. The ultra-strong Vega Trem tremolo system provides incredible tuning stability and a musical, comfortable player experience with the widest range of up-and-down movement available. This double-action locking trim is easy to install and doesn't require any additional routing. Vega Trim, the tremolo reinvented. For more information, visit vegatrim.com. One of the things that strikes me about the way you present your music is, besides the fact that there's this kind of telepathic communication between sisters that's evident when I look at the videos and the way you you slyly look at each other. <laughs> and we're on camera right now, so I can see this, this sly little looking at each other. <laughs> but one of the other elements is that uh, you've, you've said this before in an interview with Premier Guitar that you, you like your music to be stripped down these days and that the albums, if I have this right, if I don't, tell me, but the albums before Peach you felt were overproduced and didn't have your signature core heart to it. You might not have used those words exactly, but subsequent from Peach, you've been producing yourself and holding the reins of the sound, the arrangements, the choice of material. And you, I should remind everyone that you live in Nashville where that is not allowed, especially if you're female. Mm. I have pretty stern things mm. to say about Music Row and how they process 
talented female musicians. They put him through the meat grinder. You guys must have said, sorry, can't do it. Is that what happened? Deciding to start self-producing the albums was a major turning point for us. Because I, I, and this is Rebecca speaking, I started making demos from a very young age. Like Whenever I started writing songs in earnest, I would start demoing the songs. Because, I mean, I had a, you know, Mac, I have a Mac laptop with GarageBand. And so I would toy around with programming drums and messing around with synth bass parts and toying around with fleshing out songs. And so we had a lot of, you know, little straggling demos over the years. But it had never connected in my mind that we should self-produce. And it wasn't until Megan took a very firm stance. Well, I think I've been saying it for, for quite a number of years because we would get, you know, demoitis which is like, maybe that wasn't demo-itis, maybe because we were, you know, searching for like, just to remake the demo. Cause, and then we would be mm. trying to get back to the sound of the, the demo mm-hmm. instead of the, the, the real recording. Yeah. Um, so I was like, well, why don't we just do it ourselves? Like, why do we need to go yeah. into it? Why, why do we need to go into a studio with a pr- producer? Yeah, because I mean, our, our mommy and daddy didn't raise no fools. So it's like, <laughs> we about everything that, that should happen within our band, with the branding, with the music, with you know the way that we present ourselves to our fans. And that's why we started our own record label. And that's why we started self-producing because we would get into the studio with producers and we would have competing opinions. And uh, we finally realized that, that was we were just butting heads unnecessarily, that we should just give it a shot, that we should produce an album ourselves and see how it felt. And we've absolutely learned a lot about ourselves over the years. And I honestly think that self-producing has been one of the roads upon which we've really worked the most on our relationship as sisters, as creative collaborators, Hmm. learning how to let the best idea win, trying to remove the ego, not being stubborn about an idea that feels precious to you. If in fact, it's not the best, you know, creative idea, et cetera, et cetera. It's really been a a big fat learning experience. Now you've self-produced a couple records. What specific skills, uh, musically speaking, um, as, as instrumentalists, have you discovered about yourselves? Oh, I love this question. Um, if I could even, if I can answer first, because yeah, I, I feel like Meg, Megan's got a thought there, but I, I of course, am the talkie sister. Um, <laughs> I think having been side guys in bands was honestly our first introduction to learning the, the art of self-production. Because when you are a team player in someone else's musical situation, like with an Ellis Costello or a Keith Urban, um, you learn how to puzzle piece yourself into the greater picture, how to be tasteful, how to be supportive, how to uh, not be flashy all the time in, you know, in walk over the vocal. So I think that we've had some training from a pretty young age about how to serve a song. Um, so I think honestly, in getting into the production wholeheartedly with the past three records, it's been serving the song, learning how to say no to things and stripping things back. How to say no to things because mm-hmm. actually our um, what's easy for us is to produce it. Yeah. What's not easy for us is to not produce it. <laughs> um, so I think that we have really been learning lately yeah. how to not pick things apart, um, to let it, let it be the raw thing that it is because that most of the time strikes a chord way more than piecing something together and making something that isn't naturally what it is. It's counterintuitive, right? Because we're all humans and we, you know, we have Instagram and we want to post the absolute best picture of ourselves that we can. And I think that that tendency absolutely exists within the record making scheme where you want to 
sheen, have everything just high polished to where it's this lacquered armor where you, where people can't hear your humanity underneath because you're so perfect. And uh, that tendency has definitely bitten us in the ass a few times. We released some songs and we're like, golly, it's just, it has no soul. There's, there's no rough edge that can catch your attention. So learning how to, to arrange the songs tastefully and to leave the humanity, leave the mistakes, let it be there because that's, that's what's true. So on this latest record, Kindred Spirits, was this a, a record recorded in quarantine? It was. We recorded it entirely in quarantine over the period of four and a half days. Actually. And live. Yeah. Which was our first time doing it completely live. Completely like live. the, you know, the vocal, there's no, we can't pick anything apart because it's all, everything is bleeding. Like the mics are all bleeding yeah. into each other. So we actually can't go in and pick it apart, which we like. It we was, like those constraints, it turns out. It's, it turns out. Simultaneously, one of the most fun and most stressful <laughs> albums that we've made. Because it wasn't an experience. And we were sitting in a room right across from each other, just spitting distance from each other and singing and playing. And, uh, and it really brought something unique to the album. I understood, you know, the, the age-old recording an, an album to tape, how exciting that would be you know because it's hard for me to contain this one I'm like <laughs> leave it sounds, I love it sounds good and she's like well what if I just tried no <laughs> no <laughs> it's so interesting how like seeing the dynamic having one sister rain in rain in the other what lessons from this record producing this record and like you said so this is the first record Larkin Poe record that was recorded live mm -hmm. so to speak what lessons did you take from this project production wise that you're going to keep in the back of your mind for the next uh, studio record. You already, I see Rebecca already. She she knows exactly. <laughs> do not do not feel the need to cut to grid. Why in the world should musicians cut to a click track? I mean, that's something that was just kind of spoon fed to us from the very beginning. That you go in and you, and you click out, you know, the BPM of the song, and here's how fast we're going to do it, and it will not flex, it will not push, it will not pull, and if you push or pull, you're playing it wrong. You're pushing or pulling, which to me is absurd. Like, we're not robots. We are organic beings that are powered by, you know, our emotions and the hormones that are coursing through us in a given moment, and and that's beautiful. Um, I think that we, especially with bluegrass, we're kind of raised up to think that metronomic time was God. But actually, as it comes to find out, it's let not. it, let it, let it free, guys. Let it free. Do not, do not bring in the click ever again, hopefully, if we can help it. I think so. Yeah. Human time is God. Yeah. Human yeah. time is God. Amen. Yes, and yes. you know what I get also from Kindred Spirits, and now I understand why I get this, because you recorded it live sitting, looking at each other, I get this, this dynamic tension between the two of you that translates into the music, and I mean it in a good way, you know, not, you know, but just this, the give and take, you know, the sisterhood, I guess, yeah. comes through it in a very meaningful way without you putting it out as the first page that everyone's supposed to read it's 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 back there it's under there it's it's the way mm -hmm. you switch between like in ramblin man the bluegrass guitar solo rebecca which was, was short but really really good 
and mm. you know flat picking and then it goes over to the lap steel and and how you change past the baton vocally too wow and you, you let that breathe and mm. survive the the recording process well thank you i think that's probably my favorite part of making music number 1 is just our connection i think is it's so fun Mm -hmm. um, when it's right yeah um that we can kind of look at each other and like i know i just really know where she's trying to go in a song yeah. and that's special that's really special and it's fun to be a package deal because we'll we'll make music individually but not very often mm -hmm. typically if we're making music we're making music together and that has become a huge asset for us and you know when we when we jump into a group if we're backing somebody else up we're able to be like a very dynamic duo to the truest sense of, of the term. And, and that's really, really fun to have a partner in crime in all things, and especially in music. Because there's a lot of parts of, of having a career in music that's not glamorous. Mm. Um, a lot of it is just pushing forward, slogging through it. Um, but I think our connection when we make music is one of the like magical parts of it. Yeah, mm. endlessly. And, and this is true after, you know, 10 years of Larkin Poe with five years of music making before that. And, you know, our whole, our whole lives are kind of tangled up at this point and, <laughs> and, and having been shaped pretty much exclusively by music. So we're very, very fortunate to have reached this point and have it still be really fun. I mean, in 29 years, we've only spent like two weeks apart from each other. <laughs> that's the longest we've been, that's a long time to spend with a person. So sounds, I guess it's only natural. It sounds very dysfunctional when we say it like that, but it's true. <laughs> What's the, what's the last musical argument you guys had? Oh, interestingly, I think that this this is true. I mean, we probably had little spats since then, but we actually made Kindred Spirits twice. Mm. Yeah, but we probably should have led with that. It's kind of interesting. I had voted that we make Kindred Spirits more in the classic, and I'm air quotes again, Larkin Poe mold, where I, I had programmed some drum parts and we were going to do it more of a produced vibe. And uh, we got in the studio for five days with our good buddy, Roger Allen Nichols, and we left with 11 songs. And then we got a bottle of champagne. And to we celebrate the record being And done. we cheers, and we realized that it was not right. And, and honestly, it was Megan's strength of saying, listen, this is not what we intended to do. This is cool, but this is not what we were trying to make. We need to do it again. And I, you know, definitely blustered my way and puffed my chest out and was like, no, this is fine. You know, this is, this is it. This is the record. She's like, ah, actually... You know? I'm 50 50 on this and it's not. And so we <laughs> yeah, we did. We, we shed quite tears. a lot and then we did it again. <laughs> we did it again. And, and it was way better for having done it again. And I have no idea. Those other songs will just molder back in some back catalog of, you know, the, the lair of Larkin Poe. And that, and that's how it should be. You got to leave stuff on the killing floor, man. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Well, well, thank you so much, ladies, for hanging with us. And uh, it's been such a treat to talk to you this week. Back at y'all. Yeah, thank, thank you. you.